Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 26, verses 1 to 13, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 26, verses 1 to 13. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of the Lord. We now approach the closing scene of our Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. Until now, we have read of his sayings and doings. We are now about to read of his sufferings and death. Until now, we have seen him as the great prophet. We are now about to see him as the great high priest. It is a portion of scripture which ought to be read with peculiar reverence and attention. The place which we stand is holy ground. Here we see how the seed of the woman bruised the serpent's head. Here we see the great sacrifice to which all the sacrifices that the Old Testament had long pointed. Here we see how the blood was shed which cleanses from all sin, and the lamb slain who takes away the sin of the world. We see in the death of Christ the great mystery revealed, how God can be just and yet justify the ungodly. No wonder that all of the four Gospels contain a full account of this wonderful event. On other points of our Lord's history, we often find that when one evangelist speaks, the other three are silent. But when we come to the crucifixion, we find it minutely described by all four. In these verses we have now read, let us first observe how carefully our Lord is to recall the attention of his disciples to his own death. He said to them, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is to be betrayed and crucified. The connection of these words with the preceding chapter is exceedingly striking. Our Lord has just been dwelling on his own second coming in power and glory at the end of the world. He had been describing the last judgment and all its dreadful accompaniments. He had been speaking of himself as the judge before whose throne all nations would be gathered. And then at once, without pause or interval, he goes on to speak of his crucifixion. While the marvelous predictions of his final glory were yet ringing in the ears of his disciples, he tells them once and again of his coming sufferings. He reminds them that he must die as a sin offering before he reigned as a king, 
that he must make atonement on the cross before he took the crown. We can never attach too much importance to the atoning death of Christ. It is the leading fact in the word of God on which the eyes of our soul ought to be ever fixed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It is the cardinal truth on which the whole system of Christianity hinges. Without it, the gospel is an ark without a keystone, a fair building without a foundation, a solar system without a sun. Let us make much of our Lord's incarnation and example, his miracles and his parables, his works and his words, but above all, let us make much of his death. Let us delight in the hope of his second personal coming and millennial reign, but let us not think more even of these blessed truths than the atonement on the cross. This, after all, is the master truth of Scripture, that Christ died for our sins. To this, let us daily return. On this, let us daily feed our souls. Some, like the Greeks of old, may sneer at the doctrine and call it foolishness. But let us never be ashamed to say with Paul, Be it far from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 6 verse 14. Let us observe in the second place in these verses what honor Christ loves to put on those who honor him. We are told that when he was in the house of Simon the leper, a certain woman came while he sat at table and poured a box of precious ointment on his head. She did it, no doubt, out of reverence and affection. She had received sole benefit from him, and she thought no mark of honor too costly to be bestowed on him in return. But this deed of hers called forth disapproval from some who sought. They called it waste. They said it might have been better to sell the ointment and give the money to the poor. At once our Lord rebuked these cold-hearted fault-finders. He tells them that the woman was wrought of good work, and one that he accepts and approves. And he goes on to make a striking prediction. Wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, What she has done will also be told in memory of her. We see in this little incident how perfectly our Lord knew things to come, and how easy it is for him to confer honor. This prophecy of his about this woman is receiving a fulfillment every day before our eyes. Wherever the Gospel of Matthew is read, the deed that she did is known. The deeds and titles of many kings and emperors and generals are completely forgotten, as if written in the sand. But the grateful act of one humble Christian woman is recorded in 150 different languages and is known all over the globe. The praise of man is but for a few days. The praise of Christ endures forever. The pathway to lasting honor is to honor Christ. Last, but not least, we see in this incident a blessed foretaste of things that will yet take place in the day of judgment. In that great day, no honor done to Christ on earth shall be found to have been forgotten. The speeches of parliamentary orators, the exploits of warriors, the works of poets and painters shall not be mentioned in that day, but the least work that the weakest Christian woman has done for Christ or his members shall be found written in a book of everlasting remembrance. 
Not a single kind word or deed. Not a cup of cold water or a box of ointment shall be omitted from the record. Silver and gold she may have had none. Rank, power, and influence she may not have possessed. But if she loved Christ and confessed Christ and worked for Christ, her memorial shall be found on high. She shall be commended before assembled worlds. Do we know what it is to work for Christ? If we do, let us take courage and work on. What greater encouragement can we desire than we see here? We may be laughed at and ridiculed by the world. Our motives may be misunderstood. Our conduct may be misinterpreted. Our sacrifices for Christ's sake may be called waste. Waste of time, waste of money, waste of strength. Let none of these things move us. The eye of him who sat in Simon's house in Bethany is upon us. He notes all we do and is well pleased. Let us be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because we know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.